Hey everyone, welcome back to the Inking Out Loud podcast. For this week's episode, we're covering the first 23 chapters of Lyriel, the second book of Garth Nix's Abhorsen trilogy. I am, as always, your host, Drew McCaffrey, and my wife Lauren is with me again. Hey guys. <laughs> Not much of a hiss on that one. No. Yeah. Uh, Before we head into the episode itself, a quick reminder that we're on Patreon. Support for the show there helps keep the lights on and gives you access to all kinds of fun bonus content, such as exclusive episodes, original fiction, and more. And, for those who may not have heard, I have officially published the first in a series of short stories on Amazon. Titled The Aquamancer's Gem, it tells the story of a mage's apprentice who's given an important task that could change her life forever. But, for the story du jour... (laughs) Uh, Lyriel opens with a delightfully dark prologue following the free magic necromancer Hedge as he gathers the forces of darkness and prepares the way for his entombed master. From there, we go to the titular character as she steals herself for her 14th birthday. Lyriel is one of the Clare, the clan of seers who live in and under the Great Glacier in the north of the Old Kingdom. But unlike her many relatives, she has yet to receive the sight and in her despair plans to commit suicide by throwing herself down the glacier. Before she can, however, Sabriel and Touchstone arrive on a paper wing. Now the king and queen, with young adult children of their own, they're tending to the business of the kingdom, and attempting to discover why there's been such an uptick of the dead and free magic. Sabriel notices Lyriel eavesdropping, and Lyriel has her memories of the encounter wiped. She continues on, becoming a librarian and developing both her curiosity and her prodigious skill with charter magic. Lyriel inadvertently frees a dangerous monster called a Stilkin from its prison within the depths of the library, and nearly kills herself, sealing it away with a temporary spell. As she recovers, her great-great-grandmother visits her for the first time and encourages her on her path. Lyriel then undertakes to find the way to bind the Stilkin and awakens a companion, the disreputable dog a creature of both free and charter magic. With her help, and the brief pilfering of the chief librarian's legendary sword, Lyriel finally confronts and defeats the Stilkin. We then leap five years into the future, where Prince Samath is nearing the end of his schooling in Ancelstier. His cricket team is kidnapped by a bribed bus driver and sent into an ambush set by Hedge and a score of dead hands. Thanks to the heroics of both Sam and his friend Nick, Hedge's plan is foiled, But Sam nearly dies and is traumatized by his experience with Hedge in death. He's taken back to the Old Kingdom by his father and is charged by Sabriel with studying the Book of the Dead and preparing to be the Abhorsen-in-waiting. But Sam discovers he's unable to open the book, each time being overcome by the lingering trauma of his time in death. Finally, after months, Sabriel and Touchstone return to the capital, Sabriel having suffered a wound, and they call Sam and his sister down into the reservoir beneath the city for a private family meeting. And Lyriel, now 19 years old, descends far into the Clare's great library with the disreputable dog, making her way through three heavily guarded gates to discover three artifacts, seemingly set out hundreds of years earlier, just for her. Oh, so. man. Okay. So this is my fifth time. Oh, wow. Probably reading this. Wow. This is not. This is uh, so. I've read the prologue twice, and I've read probably the first two pages of chapter one twice. Uh, I I know I didn't get very far a decade ago when I picked this up. Uh, 
And I'm kind of disappointed in myself that I didn't <laughs> because I'm enjoying this a great deal. Yes. Uh, Lyriel is a wonderful main character. Oh, I'm so glad you like her. And and this kind of brings me like straight into writing style. We'll, we'll talk character, of course, but I like how Garth Nix isn't doing the same thing twice here. Lyriel is very, very different from Sabriel. Uh, Sam is very, very different from Touchstone, uh, where where Sabriel and Touchstone kind of had core mysteries that they had to figure out. You know, Sabriel's thrust into a world that she doesn't really know, and Touchstone just doesn't really remember who he is and has to slowly uncover it. The core struggles of both Sam and Lyriel here are much more, like, self-inflicted. Uh, they both have really trauma and mental health issues that they have to overcome. We find out that Sabriel not only considered committing suicide on her 14th birthday, but also on her 17th birthday. Yeah, and she has a scar to show for it. Yeah, because the dog bit her and physically prevented her, apparently. Oof. Um, and then, and so Sam, of course, you know, where he he's broken almost by his experience with Hedge and, and going into death without the tools of the Abhorsen's trade and and nearly being taken and nearly being ensorcelled, you know. Uh, he he really has a, a hard time. I mean, he's horrible to everybody in the capital around him. Uh, he, he has physical reactions to looking at the Book of the Dead and trying to open it. Uh, it, it's just a very different tone to the story where Sabriel felt like a classic adventure. Yeah. And a bit of a hero's journey. Um, in fact, like I didn't even really talk about that, but it, it maps pretty darn well to the classic, um, you know, uh, hero of a thousand faces, Joseph Campbell kind of hero's journey. You know, she descends into the belly of the beast, into the reservoir and, you know, um, but she, she has, you know, this really traditional arc and Lyriel here, it doesn't feel like an adventure at all. It's, it's much more of a, uh, an internally focused conflict and story. Yeah. And I'm, I'm having a great time with it. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> I was worried that Drew wasn't going to like Lyriel because he failed to start reading the first time. So I was like, shoot, what if he just doesn't like her? This is going to be hard. <laughs> yeah. The a hundred percent of the reason that I didn't read much the first time I picked up the book was because I was annoyed. Sabriel wasn't the main character anymore, but going into it the second time, having the expectation and the, the foreknowledge. Okay. I can't assume that it's going to be the same kind of story following the same characters you know, that prepped me a lot better. And I mean, I've flown through the first half of this book. Yeah. Honestly, my slowest parts were, uh, were all Sam. Uh, I agree. Um, uh, like just before we were sitting down here, I had to finish reading the last like four chapters of it. And I was just blazing through those Lyriel chapters yeah. going down yeah, through Lyriel's path. And then I turn the page after, after that, and it's back to Sam in the capital. And 
my first thought was, wow, I should have had us end one chapter earlier. I don't think so. I think it's a good spot. It, it did end up being a good spot, but, uh, you know, we're for sure left on a cliffhanger of, you know, what, what is going on with this news Sabriel and Touchstone have, what's going on with Sabriel herself with this wound. Um, I mean, he, he told us, Touchstone told us it's not a big deal. But, <laughs> but yeah, uh, there, there are a lot of things um, in the first half of this book that I feel are being set up for uh, subverting readers' expectations. I, uh, this is a, kind of a prediction, but also just a sense I'm getting from the tone of the story. It, it feels to me like Garth Nix wants his readers to feel comfortable with certain things only to later on rip the rug out from underneath us. And one of those is the disreputable dog. Okay. Uh, we're conditioned to think this is a good thing. This is Lyriel's only companion. This is, you know, uh, it's a dog, right? It, it's like man's best friend, you know, and, and yet, we saw with Mogget in the first book, these magic creatures bound by collars don't necessarily have their master's best interests in, at heart. Is she bound? There's, there's the fact that the, the name of it is disreputable. <laughs> and the fact that it's leading Lyriel into these situations that she has no idea about. And I just get the sense that the dog has ulterior motives that are not necessarily good for Lyriel. Well, there, there is that spot um, where it switches to the dog's point of view. Mm-hmm. And it puts her to sleep? No. After the Stilkin? No, no. Uh, okay, so disreputable dog follows ten paces behind... There are traces of the Stilkin, but no active scent. It was hiding, waiting in ambush for a moment. The dog almost spoke. Then she remembered Lyriel must defeat the Stilkin alone. Uh She hunkered down on her belly, watching as her mistress walked on through the flowers towards the tree and the pool where the Stilkin's ambush must surely lie. Uh Okay, so obviously she knows exactly where the Stilkin is. Well, she's pretty Ooh. sure. Yeah, I don't know if that was like a for sure thing. That read to me of like, this is the obvious place to have an ambush. Because she's not a 14, 15 year old girl. I'm not sure how old Sabriel is at this point. Probably 14. Uh, Sabriel's 14 in that yeah. scene, yeah. So, I, I did find it interesting that we switched to her point of view. Yeah, there there have been a couple of points like that. Why do you, why do you think she talked to herself and was like, Lyriel has to do this. Uh, I don't know. There's not really enough information for me to have much of a guess beyond a vague this creature has magical strictures upon it that we don't know. And knowledge. Clearly has knowledge that Lyriel and us as readers do not share. Uh, The fact that the dog urged her so thoroughly 
down the path and then got into the room and was like, I'm just going to chill back here. Oh, at the end? This is not for me. <laughs> like, like it knew, the dog really knew if, if she went up with Lyriel, bad things would happen. Because... I, I don't know about bad things. I mean, Lyriel even thought about, like, the crazy strong charter marks and spells around the table and the items on it. And how the only reason she wasn't incinerated was because she was who she was. Yeah. I'm just saying, I, I, I get the sense that Garthnix is setting up a few things as, like, he wants you to feel a certain way about characters for a later subversion of those feelings. What what about the time when uh, Lyriel went to sleep and the dog put the charter mark above her? Oh, yeah, that, that was fascinating. Uh, and she wakes up and has this vague sense of like, oh, there was a charter mark above me. But by the time she really gets her wits about her, it's gone. And she's like, oh, it must have been a dream or something. I must have been making that up. Like, yeah, like I said, there are... What do you think it was doing? She I, was doing. I don't know. I don't have enough information. Yeah, fine. Guess. This is this is what I the, the same answer I gave you about like two minutes ago. Just a general sense of there are like strictures and priorities for this magical creature that I don't know that have been either that are either part of its nature or have been set upon it by somebody else. I, it did not escape me that when she found the dog figurine, there were seven plinths there and six of them were empty. Yes, I was going to point that out. Yeah. Um, also weird, though, I don't know if you noticed in the chief librarian's rooms that there was another sculpture. I don't think it was the same size. Oh, I don't remember this. It was. Oh, was it an owl? No. There was something about an owl. There was an owl her... that dove from, like, in front of the window. Okay, okay. But there was... It was very late at night when I was reading that scene. A sculpture of, like, a... She described it as a squashed horse. So hmm. I don't know what that means, like, squashed owl. Oh, I don't remember that at all. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I wouldn't have made note of that in previous reads. Hmm. Um... But yeah, and then for sure, there's a there's a gun above the mantle in in the erased memory. We've already had one pretty overt call out. Yeah. To like like Lyriel has I think it's described as a sense of deja vu. Yeah, she does. And she's like, there's something like itching at the back of her head, at the back of her mind, but she couldn't remember what it was, and that's definitely the conversation. Well, it it was when she overheard. Several about the nine day watch. Yeah. 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 And she's like, what are they trying to figure out? Well, they, no, they, they mentioned the lake and trying to see around the lake. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, I, I feel like the first half of this book was set up really well. It was paced mostly really well. Like you said, like I started saying earlier, like Sam's chapters dragged a little bit after he after the whole encounter the ambush and and the battle with hedge um 
the the convalescence chapter in the hospital and then his his couple of chapters in Belisaire like I, I would turn the page and get there. I'm like, I want to get back to Lyriel. <laughs> yes. Many times I was like, okay, can Sam be over now? I would, yeah. I know what's coming with Lyriel. So I'm, I'm like excited for the chapters. Mm. And I knew that that last chapter was coming and I wanted it. Yeah. I will say I am excited to see what the deal is with Touchstone and Sabriel going down to the, the great charter stones in the reservoir. Uh, I'm really curious to see what the tone of that next chapter is going to be and compare and contrast it with the sequence in the reservoir in Sabriel. If Garth Nix maintains the, the sense of eeriness that he wove into it in the first book, or if he really leans into like, no, the kingdom has been restored. The charter stones have been restored. This is a safe place now or something like well, that. Well, we got a glimpse of it from Sam, who's obviously cannot handle anything near death right now, that it is a safe place. It's, well, so we're told this. We don't, yes. we yeah, don't we're see told. it. I'm, we're I'm waiting to see, because it's more than just one character's opinion of it. Like, I want to see how he writes the chapter. Okay. Um. But Sam does talk about it, and he says, near the stones, it's warm, but away from them in the reservoir, he's still freaked out by it. And he thinks about how, like, his ancestors were killed there, and, you know, all these horrible things happened. So there there really are a couple of different ways Nix can approach writing this next chapter or two, and I'm very interested to see which he takes. What did you think of, I guess, any of the hints were given with Sam? I mean, we can, do you want to go into characters or do you you Uh, want to talk more about style? Yeah, I have a little bit more about like, um, I kind of want to talk about the themes of the book. Okay. I touched on this briefly that there's a lot of like mental health stuff going on here. Yes. Um, But it's, it's handled really well. I'm not going to say it's subtle because it's definitely not subtle, but it's handled with aplomb. Yeah. I look, I've been reading a lot of Brandon Sanderson recently, (laughs) a lot of Stormlight Archive in in particular (laughs) and, and in particular, like obviously not going to spoil anything. um, But you know, we had the beta read for Stormlight five yeah. And and this is a very rough version of a Stormlight book from Brandon Sanderson. And obviously in the Stormlight Archive, whether you've read it or not, um, mental health is a big theme in that series. Yes. And reading this book in a raw state, and I already think that Brandon gets pretty heavy-handed with the mental health stuff sometimes. It, it In particular reading it in a raw state, I was like, ugh, like kind of like, come on, like you can do, you can do this better. And then going to read this, it just feels so much smoother and so much more effective because it feels like I'm being presented with these characters who have problems and I get to feel their problems alongside them 
rather than having their problems shoved down my throat. I feel like you're drowning in yeah. the character's problems in Stormlight. Yeah, and drowning. And, and there are there are things that just get so overt. Um, like you know, th- this is often a, a, a criticism brought up with Brandon Sanderson. Um and, and he has an in-universe, in-text in reason for why he has anachronistic language in his books. But when I'm reading an epic fantasy novel about people who have mental health issues and they're, you know, an epic fantasy novel about people in magical armor where, you know, bearing magical mega swords and flying through the sky with magic. And then they're sitting down and literally saying like, Let's have a therapy session. It it feels so jarringly direct. And here, it's that's not at all what Garth Nix is doing. He's going about it in a more natural way. And 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 it fits the tone of the world he's built. It fits the tone of what you expect from a fantasy series. I I just I appreciate it a lot. I was also really surprised the the first chapter once I got past the you know the first page or two that I'd stopped at I was like whoa the main character is considering killing herself yes like obviously I knew that she wasn't going to in that moment but this is a thing that he established on basically page 1 of the story and has already looped back around to touch on again, saying that she's had this uh, three years later that she considered and even attempted maybe killing herself. And it's her fallback. I, I, this leaves me with a, a real sense of there's a possibility this book ends with Lyriel killing herself. Like that introduces such a, a new layer of tension that I wasn't expecting coming out of Sabriel. Sabriel, as dark as it got in moments, never felt like that kind of story. It always had this kind of tinge of, of like, fun adventure. She is never in that state. Mm-hmm. She is always hopeful, even though she has no idea what right. she's going to do, right. how she's going to do this. She's always, always moving forward. Yes. Yeah. Which is how I try to play my D&D character, always moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh boy. yes, scary. No idea what I'm doing, but moving forward. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm going to have so much more of an appreciation for how you're, you're playing that, that character in D and D having reread Sabriel now and having, and having also seen Sabriel in, in a different light, you know, as an adult yeah. and, and well, yeah. barely. Yeah. Well, barely at this point, but Yeah. I mean, also, think about it. Sabriel was, what, 17, 18? Yeah. Okay, so immediately after that, she reestablishes the kingdom with Touchstone and has... And has... Has Elamir. Elamir. And then 14 months later has Sam. Yeah, so Sabriel's like 35 or 36 now. Maybe, maybe even 37. And has two young adult children. Jeez, Louise. Yeah. <laughs> she yeah. never had time it sounds like like how much <laughs> they had like nine months <laughs> together mm-hmm. and then she yep. has this daughter yep 
so before we go fully into characters, Sorry. there are just like a few a few more things I wanted to touch on in terms of the writing. Uh, I unfortunately I thought I had marked the spot in the book, but there have been a couple of points that Nix's prose really stood out to me, where I was like, "Wow, this is this is like the best stuff he's written." Um, that I've read so far. Granted, I haven't read a ton of his stuff. I've read Shades Children and then Sabriel and one of his Abhorson short stories, uh, To Hold the Bridge, which if you're a Patreon supporter, you can uh, listen to uh, that. We released that in mid-January. If you're not a Patreon supporter, maybe check it out. Uh, we have lots of these short, short episodes, but, uh, and we may do another one. Uh, we recently discovered there's, there's a good amount of old kingdom short fiction out there. So we may do another one for February. Yeah. I, I didn't realize. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. But, but yeah, like there have been a few points in Lyriel where he, he just hit a perfect, vivid, beautiful note. Uh, I, I know there have been some descriptions of like the Claire's glacier and inside the library yeah. where I just kind of stopped and thought, wow, that was nice. That was really nice. And then the other thing that, like, I don't think of Garth Nix as being a particularly funny writer, <laughs> but there was, there was one bit uh, during, uh, yeah, yeah, during the hospital scene with Sam, and and the one doctor is like freaking out because of the magical healing, and and really this is impossible. The doctor began. Till a cold glance from one of Touchstone's guards convinced him that his conversation was currently not required. And like, I read that sentence and I'm like, okay, that's kind of funny. Like, you know, and then a slight further movement convinced him that his presence was not required either. And he backed away to the door and I'm like, okay, (laughs) he he followed up on it. Another chuckle. Like the King, the guards were all wearing three piece suits of a sober charcoal gray. So as not to alarm delicate and Celestiarian sensibilities. I'm like, okay, another another little chuckle because of like a, a different sort of humor. And then the effect was only slightly spoiled by the fact that they also carried swords badly disguised in rolled up trench coats. Like and and that is such an absolute like slapstick, like three stooges kind of thing to end this whole paragraph. It was like four sentences in a row that I'm just chuckling and chuckling more and more and more to the point where by the end of it I laughed out loud. Like I was reading in bed next to Lauren and I'm just like laughing <laughs> and I, I really enjoyed that Garth Nix could do that to me, you know, especially in a book with, as I've been talking about some really heavy subject matter. Yeah. And, and this, this point is kind of no different. Like Sam has been in living nightmares for the past uh, four yeah. days you know, yeah. <laughs> and and now we have some levity. Uh, but that that's kind of the last like big style point I had uh, for the first half of the book. Oh, actually, no, I lied. I forgot a structural point. Oh. So all of part one is Lyriel, and she's fourteen years old, and then it moves to part two, and we go to Sam. And now, part of this is definitely on me, uh, because at the beginning of each part, there is a, 
you know, a title page along with, you know, part one, the old kingdom, 14th year of the restoration of King Touchstone the first, and then part two, and it has Encelstier 1928 AW. I'm not quite sure what AW means. After war? I don't know, actually. Yeah. Uh, and then the old kingdom, 18th year of the restoration of King Touchstone the first. I'm like, okay, so... So it is given to us there that there's a, a time jump. But to be fully honest, by the time I got to part two, I had totally forgotten that uh, we were given that chronological marker. And I didn't even really look at that page because of the way it ended. Part one ended with, with her passing out, you know, um, and then waking up and, and like having to rush off. She's like, Oh, I, like I gotta, I gotta get back to my duties after beating the the Stilken, and so I was just like, okay, like turn on the page, let's go, and then it's Sam, and I, and it, it's Sam for a while until you get back to Lyriel, and then it's like, okay, she's nineteen now. Over the past five years, you know, and I was like, wait a second, <laughs> we just had a big time jump. And it was very jarring. And it took me a chapter or two of like thinking about it to to realize, okay, no, like the previous Lyriel chapters were not at the same time as the Sam chapters. And it, it was just, I don't know, it, it was jarring. Um, it, it was a mistake on my part. Like definitely, you know, my, uh, like a Drew issue here because I didn't look closely at the part title pages, <laughs> but, but it, it, it was really jarring and, and it would have been a criticism for me if not for, uh, those, those title pages and me like going back and being like, Oh, okay. No, like I, I did mess it up. Um, cause otherwise I was like, man, having that kind of a time jump mid part is super weird. <laughs> See, and I didn't, I didn't even think about it cause I know exactly how old, um, Lyriel is. Yeah, and, and this is, I think this is part of what makes it jarring to me, is that we're reading Lyriel as a 14-year-old, and then we jump to Sam, who is 17, 16 turning 17. He turns 17 in part two. Um, and then Lyriel is 19. And so reading Lyriel as a 14-year-old first ingrains in my mind that, okay, she is younger than Sam. Because the first time we see her, she's 14. The first time we see Sam, he's older. He's 17. But she does talk about it. <clears throat> yeah, in... there's like a throwaway line that I had like absolutely banished from thought. Where she was like, yeah, Sabriel and Touchstone, <clears throat> they have a daughter my age and a son who's younger. Yeah. Yeah. But that's super early on. And at it that is. point, you're like... Well, whoever they are, they're irrelevant to me. Right. Yeah, it's like, I I think it may have worked better for me if we got even a little bit of Sam in part one. But it being all Lyriel in part one and then jumping to a split for part two was like, oh. Hmm. I can think of a scene that they could have put with younger Sam. That would have kind of set uh, his tone. So here's the other side of it. 
I totally get why he didn't include Sam because, you know, the, the inciting incident happens when he's 16 about to turn 17. Yeah. If you put him earlier in the book, that's the kind of thing where you're like, well, you're starting the story too soon. Like this is not where the story really starts. This is extraneous. This is like, and, and, looking at the book itself, this is already significantly longer a book than Sabriel. And it's like, well, if you add in three chapters of Sam in part one to balance Lyriel the way we get Sam in part two or whatever, that adds probably another 50 to 60 pages in the book. And do we really need that there? No. Yeah. So I get why it, it was just like, it was jarring. I don't know. So this is like, this is a criticism in the sense of like, I'm being like a critical and engaged reader with the book and, and looking at why I feel the way I do, but not a criticism in the sense of like, this was bad. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That said, we can talk characters. Okay. Sorry. I kind of, added some of that to the beginning because I get excited. You do. <laughs> you you tell me where you want to start. Before we go into characters, actually, let's yeah. let's talk about how excited you are. About about this book? Yeah. Um we've touched on this a little bit over the past few episodes. This is something you've been wanting me to read for a long time. Yeah, you might say 10 years, Drew. You <laughs> yeah, might. You might. It is kind of funny to me that I read and enjoyed Sabriel so much, and then the next Garth next book I read was Shade's Children. Totally unconnected to Old Which Kingdom. I also love. Uh, yeah, I thought it was good. I don't think it was as good as Sabriel, and I doubt I'll, I'll put Lyriel beneath it either like yeah but it's just funny to me that like I was so annoyed by not getting more Sabriel as the main character that I went in a totally (laughs) different direction with Garth Nix yeah this was one of those so when we met Drew gave me a list of like 75 books and I gave him a list and this was on it all of <laughs> all of Abhorson was on it well old kingdom <laughs> trilogy yeah was at the it. time i think it was just the original trilogy and clariel right i don't think clariel was out yet i mean i have to look i feel like clariel was out i i remember you saying you didn't like the the fourth one I didn't know about it but when we met. But I don't think met. Golden Hand or Tercial and, El- and Eleanor were out. No, but I, I didn't know about Clariel when, when I gave you the list. No, you totally did. You, no way. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I swear. Okay. On this one. I read it in this house. Really? Yeah. Clariel. Yeah. I thought you read Golden Hand in this house. I haven't read Golden Hand. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so so um, Clariel came out soon after we started dating, but I didn't read Sabriel until like a year later. 
Oh, more than a year. Yeah. Yeah, Clariel came out in September 2014, and we started dating in July. Officially. Officially, yeah. We'd, we'd been hanging out for a couple of months before then. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, it, it. you you were kind of, like, touching on it, but didn't go fully in on it. You've read a lot of the things that I put on your list, and I have Almost not, all of them. I have not read that many that you've given me. No. And I've been, like, trying to make an effort of rectifying that more recently. Yeah, like three. You've read, like, three. <laughs> but. But my my brother and I read this. I don't remember how old we were. But we both loved it. I mean, this is a well-loved well book right here. Well, we started with lo- library copies. Oh, okay. Yeah, for sure. And... I don't know when we got these ones, but yeah, he and I have always loved them. And then he was the one paying attention when Clariel and Golden Hand came out. Yeah, I do remember him like yelling at you about not reading some of the newer ones. <laughs> he forced them upon me. And I was, I didn't like Clariel when I read it. Yeah. And so I didn't read Golden Hand because I didn't want to be disappointed. I will say it is not currently on the docket for us to continue after Abhorson. Um, it may be a kind of thing like the Rune Lords where we read, you know, the first series. And then a little ways down the road, we return to Garth Nix and, and the Old Kingdom when we do Clario and Golden Hand and, and do whatever. You, do you want to know... Who Clariel is? Because no, no. Okay. No. We'll get there when we get there. All right. All right. All right. Um. But yeah. So let's start with Lyriel. Do you like her? And now, granted, this is going to be tinged from all of your knowledge, I'm sure. But do you like her more than Sabriel? No. Okay. Interesting. Um, but I, I think that is kind of because, especially as we see right now, she's not very socialized at all. No, she is not. She has spent how many years? Say, barely talking. Barely talking. Never more than 10 words at a time. And completely distancing herself from any human companionship at all. Mm-hmm. She had one, like loving interaction with her grandmother who's dead who died immediately after yeah she spilled her heart to her and since then she has not spoken if she could help it at length with any human beings yeah so i think she's probably and and i kind of see this in her character not only in the fact that she's young but also she's immature socially immature. Oh, for sure. And there is no fix for that other than socializing. Like I've met, (laughs) I've met many adults and we know many adults who were not uh, very social growing up. And it Mm -hmm. very much shows 
that doesn't mean we love them less. It just means that like socially they are less aware and thoughtful than others who spent more time around people. Yeah. And that's Lyriel. And, and I, I love her time with the disreputable dog and I'm really glad that she's there for her because mm-hmm. somebody needed to be mm-hmm. for her to continue on. Um, but that doesn't like the, she still has to call her out on, on her behaviors. Oh, totally. So it, it is, this is so uh, illustrative of how different we are. <laughs> All of these reasons are why I like Lyriel more than Sabriel. Sabriel is so straightforward, uh, a heroic figure, and Lyriel is troubled and complicated in a totally different way. Yes. And I, like, when, when I read that little bit where she talks about how she was given the pen and ink pot as a gift because she has this reputation of writing notes to people rather than talking. And and she thinks about how she's barely spoken more than a sentence or two to any human being at a time in the past five years. I was like, wow. That is... That is fascinating. That is an interesting main character, especially because as an author, I myself lean really heavily on dialogue and and i haven't written a whole lot of you know main characters who aren't talkative yeah how would you do that it's i'd have to think about it and and maybe this is something that i you know i i consider for an experimental short story and and maybe if I can find a way to work it into the sequence of short stories I'm going to be publishing in the next year or so. Uh, because one of the things that I'm planning on with that series is each each story, while, while set in the same world, is going to follow different characters and do different things while together telling the broad strokes of a unified story. And... And if I can have some really fun experimental things that I bring in, and if I can pull it off, which is not always a guarantee. <laughs> I've written some experimental short stories over the last couple of years that really didn't work. But, you know, this would be a challenge for me to write a different sort of character. More so, of a taciturn, you know, reserved. Or, or what if they use sign language instead? that would be interesting well i was was... but but i mean so it would be interesting from an aesthetic perspective but from my perspective as a writer functionally it wouldn't be any different from writing dialogue yeah okay all right all right i see what you're saying yeah i just was laughing about it and thinking about it because nick was like yeah they forbid me from telling or writing about it but they didn't say sign language ha 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 ha. yeah yeah (laughs) yeah i liked that Uh, um yeah lyriel at least so far 
I'm, and I liked Sabriel a lot, clearly, to the point that I. You were upset. I was upset that this book wasn't from Sabriel's point of view. And now reading through, I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm really impressed with Lyriel as a main character. I also think about, or at least I thought about a lot, how her fellow librarians tried in the beginning and eventually all gave up. I was like, these are, these are women who probably speak very little themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if I were one of them, would I have kept trying through Lyriel's silences? I would like to think yes, but also like if you have the sight, I'm sure you're very distracted with the sight. Yeah, oh, for sure. So maybe I forgive them that. And we know that over time, the site takes up more and more of their brain space. Yeah. And, and they have less control. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the girls coming in below them don't have the same like connection to Lyriel because they're, they're not of her cohort. Yep. They don't know her. They don't, they don't have any reason to be like, oh, let's try to befriend her. And she was already separated from them. Like all the girls her mm-hmm. age, mm-hmm. she was already separated from. Yeah. So like the only, the only people who would really be trying to break through her shell over time would not only get discouraged by their failures, but also distracted by the site. Yeah. And their growing responsibilities. I, Yeah. I I would like to think that I would happily read next to her and sit in silence (laughs) until, you know, we have such occasion as to talk. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Are you ready to move on to Sam? Okay. Let's compare Sam and Touchstone. Do you like him more or less than Touchstone? Uh, right now, less overall, I have to remember. Overall, I have to remember. Okay. Because it is uh, colored by, like, at this point in the story, of course I like Touchstone more. Okay. Of course. He's, Sam is so dark and also annoying I mean, he's he, he's clearly going through some stuff, and yeah, his spirit's been a piece of it has been snatched away. And right now, I can relate to that. Like, I understand, but I don't want to be like he is. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, same for me. On on a, an emotional level. I like Touchstone more. By a lot. Sam bugs me. But from a writing perspective, Sam is a much more interesting character to me than Touchstone was. Again, it it was just a simpler character arc for Touchstone. Yeah. It's, It's, you know, the... 
the lost royal, the secret royal, who has to recover his birthright. You know, uh, it, it, it had the amnesia effect layered into it, but even that isn't something I hadn't read before. And so it was a pretty basic character arc. It would for have been both nice Sabriel to, and Touchstone. Yeah, it would have been nice to have more for Touchstone. Yeah. Uh, Sam has a more complicated, just everything going on right now. But it is definitely not as much fun to read him as it as it was Touchstone in, in the first book. Like. I, yeah. Yeah. There were some fun action scenes. I mean, he, Nix did a great job with the, the mood and the setting, like the rainstorm and the panic of of the whole ambush. I was and, proud of Sam during that. Um, Nick is... Nick's my boy. Nick's great. I'm excited for him to show back up. Oh, don't you worry. Yeah. I mean, he, he sent the letter saying I'm coming. So... Ah, uh, God. But he, he still can't listen. Don't <laughs> put it on type paper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sam. I mean, uh, <laughs> Nick. Jeez. Yeah, I... I don't know. I, I appreciate that Sam gave like like Nick's used Sam to expand the world a little bit. We get to go back to Ancelstier and see what's going on outside the old kingdom again. There's like a world war basically brewing. Yes. You know, we get like this. The, like it, it feels a little bit like World War One, where like that's what I was thinking. There, there are like alliances that are dragging different countries into it, and, and political shifts, and suddenly and, and it's refugees. this whole big mess. And yeah, um, and I appreciated that because I really felt like uh, you know I mentioned this on the Patreon episode too. I felt like the world was pretty small in Sabriel. Mm-hmm. And I was eager to see how he would expand it in Lyriel. But I also felt like it was it was going to be expanding the Old Kingdom world, not necessarily the Ancelstier and Greater world around it. Because it's the Old Kingdom trilogy. And I still don't, like, I don't see it becoming like a world war thing that drags the Old Kingdom in. It can't. But... But I like that Nyx is taking the time to say, there's other stuff going on outside these small boundaries. And we've already gotten hints right from what Sam says about Sabriel and Touchstone talking about politicians and then mm-hmm. talking about Nick and Nick's connection to yeah. C- politicians. Yeah. Edward, his uncle. Who, who has a curiously Italian name for a British... Politician, just saying. I don't know if that's going to be a thing, but just saying. I I do like how he brings these things in, mm-hmm. where it's like this politician is this, this politician is this. No, we don't. We don't need to get super detailed. We know that Sabriel's pissed at one of them. Yeah, and, she, and what she shared her thoughts with Sam and said something. I can't remember what like. He's a dud or he's he's a a buffoon or something. She really doesn't have a high opinion. I just poured the last of this beer into the glass and 
There was some real sediment at the bottom of that. <laughs> Look at the yeasties. Yeah. They're um, good for you. Drink them. Uh, so you asked me a little earlier what I thought of the disreputable dog. Yes. And I, at the time I kind of told you I didn't have many thoughts, but what I did, I was going to say for the episode, I have more thoughts now after reading the final segment. Okay. Going down Lyriel's path. You know, obviously I already talked about my expectations my, my expectation for him to subvert my expectation. Okay. But in terms of in the moment, the personality of the dog, it's pretty fun. I, I was kind of just meh on the whole, like, sneaking around and, and, you know, like dipping into the librarian's quarters and, and going and, He's like, oh, don't worry about it. She's out of her rooms right now, and blah, blah, blah. But going down... She. She? The dog is a she. Did I not say she? He said he. Oh, my bad. Um, going down the path and having a few of those interactions it felt like she got more personality than just like, Oh, it's an irascible dog. I, I do see the parallels with Mogget here. They're both magic beings. Collared and, uh, you know, acting like normal pets when relevant, they're both very obsessed with food. And neither one has to eat. But neither one has to eat. Why do you, why do you think they're like this? I don't know. I mean, Mogget Mog was collared. Do you think it was the same for this dog and then turned into a statue or something? Uh, that's definitely the impression I get. But I... Again, this is one of the things that I'm sort of expecting him to subvert the initial expectation. Him having the the collar on this dog creature. Him, the author, yeah. having the dog. No, no, no. Yeah. I, I'm going to say something different. Okay. Um, I think is deliberate to make readers draw the parallel with the cats in the first book. But it, it would be effective as a writing tool to say, oh, you thought it was going to be like that, but it's actually like this instead. Do you remember what she, the disreputable dog, said when Lyriel was like, you're a free magic creature? Oh, she was like, oh, touch my collar. Like, you can feel I'm from the charter. She said something before that. Oh, I don't remember exactly. She she was not um, thrilled to be called a free magic okay. creature. I don't think she's purely a free magic creature bound by the charter. Like that's that's what I'm saying. Like I don't think it's the same exact deal as Mogget. 
like where she's forcefully bound you don't think she's forcefully bound i mean no. it would be hard to maintain considering she clearly had some hand in her own yeah lyriel didn't lyriel didn't do that on purpose no <laughs> so i mean she didn't even know half the mark she was pulling on so yeah <laughs> Not even close to half. Yeah. Yeah. She thought she was creating a sending, a little ghost sending. Yes. That you yes, can't pet or yep. feel or talk to. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. It won't yeah. respond. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I have any other... We talked about... Oh, oh no. Uh, Elamir. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is another one of the expectations I'm expecting expecting to be subverted. Hmm. Uh, she's the awful older sister. Yeah. But she she's totally going to be important and good in the end. She is trying here. Yeah. Even if it's annoying she to seems, Sam. So she reminds me a lot of Galad from The Wheel of Time. Annoying older sibling. Who's, like, always doing the right thing. I feel like Elamir is trying to be not just rule-following like Galat is, where he's like, rules, no, I'm, rules, I'm not rules, saying rules. necessarily exactly the same character. I'm saying, like, like Galad, she's the annoying older sibling who's framed as annoying because of the adulation and respect and an appearance they give. She's the perfect royal heir. She's the one that everybody's like, yeah, she's clearly the one who's going to inherit the throne. She does everything right. She knows what she's doing. She's got all these like well-planned out schedules. She's the the perfect person going into perspective and look at being her being trusted and... as regent. Yeah. As a teenager. Yeah. But so you're conditioned to view her in a negative light because she's annoying to the character whose head we're in. I mean, also, he's 17 at that time. Mm -hmm. So she's 18 in two months. Yeah. That would be a rough distance. Yeah. Uh, so that's my expectation for her. Other than that, I don't have much to say about her. Like she's We've barely seen her. Yeah, she's been in like three scenes. <laughs> I I do like her. I it's noteworthy her. that in, in that final scene, Sam goes and meets Touchstone, and there's there's definitely a brittleness to their interaction. When Elamir comes in, the first thing she does is rush and give Touchstone a hug. That was not a thing Sam did. No, but he's he's so terrified of what he's got to say. Sure. But, I mean, that just goes to show the difference in, in their characters and personalities. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, also... Elamir strikes me as the kind of person that even if she had, like, bad news, she would still prioritize going and giving her father a hug. And then she'd pull away and be like, okay, like, I have something to tell you. Yeah, First so. in her mind would be, I'm so. happy you're home. Yes. She she doesn't strike me as self-centered as Sam. 
Sam's immature. Elamir's more mature. Yeah. Yep. More more than the year and two months difference would make. Mm-hmm. And being a girl versus a boy. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah. So uh, are there any other characters you want to talk about? I feel like we've covered all the main ones. Uh, what did you think of her grandmother? Lyra's grandmother. Uh... Oh, Feth. Felser. I'll find her. Uh, it was like F F I L S. Philris. Philris, not Felser. Philris. Yeah. Um. She was a, a nice plot device. I. For all of one scene. To set Lyriel on a path and and give some portentous, prophetic, statements. You you're not going to be a seer. You're going to be a maker. I have cried on multiple reads of her. Oh, dear. <laughs> I have. Wow. I didn't this okay. time, but two other reads, I definitely cried. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You. Another example of how different you and I are. <laughs> I did not have that kind of emotional response to that scene. But I also find it interesting what she says here. That she was never close to Ariel. Or mm-hmm. her mother, so her own daughter, no, granddaughter. Crap! How many is generations she great, is she? Great, I said great, 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 great. great. Okay, it is grandmother. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So she she wasn't close to her family. Yeah. She was too focused on the future. Right. Right. And she. Clearly regrets that. Yeah. And that's not something that you would normally hear from a Claire. Okay. And clearly, Lyrell's mother is also not so focused on the future that she can't do anything yeah. for the present. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely curious to see when we uh, get the answers to the whole mystery of what her mother was doing and who her father is. And I, I like this like note of hope that she gives her. And I have a feeling it wasn't just a note of hope that it was also, you know, like some charter magic here. Cause Lyriel says she feels it. Hmm. Not just from their touch. Um, but when she kisses her on her, on the forehead, she feels it yeah. straight through her body energy, and down to her yeah. feet. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I I thought it was interesting, and I look for in the short story some mention of her. Hmm. Okay. I mean, she she definitely would have been around during to hold the bridge, though. Uh. Declare are like barely definitely. Yeah. Isn't that like 90 years before? Oh, no, 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 no. Never mind. That's like a couple hundred years before. Mm. She's only 150, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, I, I don't have anything else 
character-wise to talk about. Oh, I totally do. Okay. Okay. We have not talked about that last Lyril chapter at all. Other than, like, bare mentions. Okay. I mean, this isn't character so much. Sure, sure. Plot. Yeah. So we have we have some some artifacts. Uh, my initial impression is that the the pipes are like the bells. The fact that she like she doesn't blow on them, but she touches her lips to them and names them, but it doesn't say what the names are was really telling to me. I was like, well, this is a, a mystery he's keeping tucked in his back pocket for right now. Uh, like, I think it would be really interesting if it's not a full copy of the bells, because there are, there are nine bells, right? And there are only seven pipes. Seven. Are there seven bells? Or I thought there were nine Kibis, bells. Sarneth. Um Well, I can pull my shirt out with the bells on it. <laughs> yeah, Lauren has this really awesome shirt. Well, it's, yeah, my, my brother gave me uh, one of those shirts that has the book on it. Well, the words in the shape of something from the book, and it's the bells down the down across the shirt. Uh, Rana, Mosrael, Kibeth, Dyrum, Belgare, Sarnath, Astariel. Okay, no, there are seven. Okay, then yeah, totally. Um, never mind. The pipes are totally going to be uh, a copy-paste of the bells. <laughs> what about the mirror? The mirror? Oh, the dark mirror. Uh, I have no clue. It can be used... It, only in death. Yeah, that's a, a neat idea. Definitely really cool. And the book? I mean, there are so many possibilities. Remembrance and Silence? The Book of Remembrance and Silence or something like that? Uh, or Remembrance and Forgetting? And forgetting. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, there are strong death connotations there as well. Okay, so... Here I want to talk about like Sam has the book of the dead here uh-huh. and he says only someone with an innate talent for free magic and necromancy could open the book and only an uncorrupted charter mage could close it again. Mm-hmm. Aren't those similar things to what um, Lyril just said about her book? I don't remember anything in particular that was that stood out to me like that. Like she talked about the book. So the book did give her information on how to go into death. Though she doesn't necessarily trust it. And and it was Why one of the books that like changes its contents so you can never finish it. Yeah, and that's exactly how the Book of the Dead is. Yeah, oh, for sure. Um, and you don't remember everything until you need it. Mm-hmm. Dang, where's... Oh, there it is. I found it. Okay. 
Book of Remembrance and Forgetting. Yeah. Uh, Marks of Binding, Closing, Burning, Destruction. Yeah, those are the ones that the dog did That's not want to That's similar to what he said. <laughs> She'd seen similar powerful books, like In the Skin of a Lion. Mm-hmm. You can never finish it. Contents change at need. You don't remember until you need it. Yeah. Oh, I can't find the spot where she was like... She talks about... Oh, I guess she doesn't say exactly what Sam says, but... At the beginning of Sam's remarks about the Book of the Dead, he said, Marks to bind and blind, close and imprison. Mm -hmm. And she says, Binding, closing, burning, and destruction. They're not the same. Well, that that was for the Marks protecting the book. The binding, closing, and burning, and protection. That wasn't what's in the book. That's what's protecting the book. That's true. You're right. Yeah. And that's why the dog was like, I'm going to chill over here. And, um, yeah. I don't think that's why, but, but yeah, interesting. Also, this place was made a thousand years ago. At least. At least. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? I don't know enough about the history of the world to have much thought. To know... Okay, so it's interesting to think about the Claire have been there for that long. Yes. Sure. And there's clearly something special about Lyriel that the current Claire can't see her and she can't see herself. Yes. And we don't have any hints really about why. The only other thing they can't see is that lake. And we have an idea of why that is. Right. Yeah. But our other characters, they can hmm. see. So. Uh-huh. Yeah. I guess we don't have any hints on that. Yeah. Do you have any other kind of miscellaneous thoughts, just points to bring up before we go into the final draft? I do find it interesting that Oh, I guess I marked this spot. Oh, no, that's the deja vu spot. Oh. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. She's definitely going to get that memory back at some point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember one. Okay. Okay. So, on page 30, pretty... Yeah, early on. Early on. Um, so, Lyril talks about her interests. Oh, as a small child, she liked to play act dramatic death scenes, but she stopped play acting years ago. Mm-hmm. And then she thinks about death. And she says it aloud to herself. I'm telling you, like, it would not surprise me if this book ends with her killing herself. But she thinks about it. This early on. I don't know. It's interesting. Like, she's a very dramatic child here, is what she's mm -hmm. telling us. Mm -hmm. 
but she's much more subdued as a young adult. Well, you're not allowed to play act or like yeah. act out in the well, same but way. I'm not talking about in the same way. I'm talking about period. She doesn't talk to people. That's true. She doesn't emote. That's true. Oh, I did have an, one other random note, I guess I found. Um, this, I think, is a continuity forget. Oh, interesting. But it's so very minor. It okay. doesn't matter. So, Sabriel writes a letter to Sam at one point, and she's like, uh-huh. Hey, I'm so sorry I can't be there with you. I'm proud of you for defending your friends. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I would be brave enough myself to go into death without my bills. Oh, didn't she do that right at the beginning? Right at the beginning. She goes into death to grab a bunny rabbit. Yeah. Spirit. Yeah. For a friend. She without doesn't get even... the bells until the... That's right. Yeah. She does it without even thinking about it. She just goes in, grabs it, puts it back into its body. I mean, you could you could explain this away in that... She means now I wouldn't yeah, be brave Yeah, she means enough. now. Now that she knows more, now that she's more experienced and understands the danger of death. Fair. She'd be like, nah, not going to risk that again. That's true. But, but yeah, that is interesting. Oh, I'm, I know where we're going and I'm very excited to get there, (laughs) even though I, this part of Sabriel, I mean, of Lyriel, this beginning part of her story, I love the most. Mm. Okay. Like I love her time in the library. Yeah, you were really amped about her like going down. I love her finding this corridor. I love her having her adventures with the disreputable dog. And I love her, you know, learning new spells and freaking out when she realizes like she's about to get caught doing more magic than she knows. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I love her making her charter skins. I love her like. It was funny, like when she gets promoted and she's all excited and she's like, wait, crap, I need to. Oh, shoot. I need to fix my bracelet because they're not supposed to know I already have all these spells unlocked. <laughs> <laughs> it's only the last two that she hasn't figured out yet. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then she stays up till 4 a.m. and then the dog just like breathes on the bracelet and they go to sleep. <laughs> she's like, oh, gee whiz, thanks. <laughs> that was funny. That was really funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is my favorite part of her story. Oh, okay. Hmm. Because it's so free and... Oh, I'm very interested to see where it goes. Yeah. It'll... Yes. I'm trying to not yeah. accidentally yeah, spoil yeah, yeah. things. Okay. Okay, so one last thing that I'm dying for from you. Oh boy, okay. Predictions. I know you said subverting expectations, but that's not enough for me. I need them. I mean, I already said I I kind of think the dog is going to be a free agent and have its own 
goals and and not necessarily be working toward the same purpose as Lyriel. I have a feeling, I, I want to say that they don't deal with whatever Hedge's master is in this book. Maybe they deal with Hedge, but the whatever is entombed by the lake gets out and is the big bad in the final book. Um, let's see. Nick and Sam. Uh, might be a bold prediction. I think Nick dies. What's Sam doing? I'm not sure yet. I it 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 feels too easy for him to get over his current issues and and be ready to be the Abhorson in this book. I think uh, if he even becomes an Abhorson at all, it's in the in the third book. Like like reaches that level of of comfort and ability and, you know, opens the book of the dead and actually learns the stuff. I could kind of see one of Sabriel and Touchstone dying in this book. Like, I, I feel like Lyriel is going to end on an, an oh shit kind of situation where where the first book ended of like okay we we dealt with Karagor and and here's the you know the characters get a little bit of a happily ever after if you want to stop reading there just in the tradition of trilogies and how these things tend to be structured the second book ends on a down note and sets up a bigger conflict for the final book or the final installment so I could see a few character deaths. I could see Lyriel. Like, I don't think all of Lyriel, Nick, Touchstone, Sabriel are going to die here, but it wouldn't surprise me if one or two of them dies. Where where will Lyriel be? I have no idea. Like I said, I, I could see her killing herself at the end of this book. I, there have been enough signposts it would be a really bold choice by Garth Nix, and I don't know if this is that type of series that he would do that, but it wouldn't surprise me. So, um, oh, what I'm about... waiting for Mogget and Karagor to make their appearances. Like, there's no way you're ending the first book with, now there are two malevolent spirit cats. <laughs> And not bringing them back in. I could see there being some sort, and, and this may be like a third book prediction, I could see there being some sort of conflict where you unleash Karagor and he goes after this malevolent spirit that Hedge is serving in a, you know, two evil people taking each other on. Sort of like we got with Mogget and Karagor in the first book. Interesting. Why Why do you think it set up that Karagor didn't serve the thing? 
in the beginning. Why didn't he? Why did it, yeah, why was it set up that way? Why was he... I think Karagor is just, he's, he wants it all himself. He doesn't want to, you know, share any of the pie. He's like, well, I can leave you entombed and do my own thing and take over everything. And maybe eventually I gain enough power that I can control you too. I don't know. I can't remember. Did did Hedge say that Karagor knew about this being? Uh, I would guess that he knew. I don't remember exactly what they said. Yeah, I don't know. I would guess that he knew and was like, no, no, don't want to. All for me. What do yeah. you think the thing is? I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. One That's... of the greater dead. I don't know. <laughs> it has something to do with a metal. Yeah, uh, Hedge had the little splinter that he put in Nick. That he meant to put in Sam. Sam. So yeah. glad Sam passed out. Yep. Could have been real bad. Yeah. So. Okay. okay. Interesting. Well, let us wrap this up and move on to the final draft. Yeah. Uh, so we have a couple of different beers here. Uh, which one do you want to talk about first? Uh, this one. For okay. sure. Okay. This so, art is beautiful. It's another Anchorage Brewing Company. I love the art. Uh, although in a change of pace from the recent Anchorage stuff, it's not an IPA with crazy like cryo hop extracts or phantasm powder or thiol boosting yeast or whatever well, insane it, stuff they're doing. It does have some added fruit here. It does, but it's not an IPA with crazy stuff. Yes. This is a sour ale. Yeah. With passion fruit, guava, and apricots. Wow, it is a lot stronger than yeah, I thought it was. It is 10%. Yeah, I didn't... This is a beast of a sour beer. Did not notice that. I don't, like, I don't know how many sour beers I've ever had that were double-digit ABV. We've had some. A, a couple. This is not common. <laughs> so it's fermented in French oak fooders, aged 22 months in French oak Chardonnay barrels with mm. Britannomyces... Blended into Missouri oak with passion fruit, guava, and apricots for another three months, and then bottle conditioned. That means that they added more yeast. All this when they put it in the bottle, which yeah. we can very well see. Hey, look! Look in the bottle too. You can see a bunch. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say there's definitely Brett here, but it's pretty calm. Like, for a Brett beer. Well, how old is this? Ooh, a couple of years. So, here's the thing with Britannomyces, is it is slow. It is slow and then vigorous. Like, what I mean is, it is strong. It takes a while to get going, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is from maybe 2020? This is several years old. Okay. So the Brett's had plenty of time, even if they put it in this, in the bottle as well. 
So yeah. what I what I mean by strong is like Brett can eat some uh. of the sugars that none of the other yeasts can eat. It is it is scary for people who don't work with it because it will It'll infect just take everything. Over everything, yeah. And because it has double cell walls, that means that you might think that you've cleaned something and maybe you broke through the first cell wall, but it's still protected by the second one and it's still alive and it's fine. <laughs> and it will reproduce as much as it feels like it wants to. And it will hide in those oak barrels. So once you put Brett in, in oak like that, it is forever Brett. Yeah. It is it is always in there and you cannot make it leave. <laughs> I know that yeah. people will say like, you can steam it and you can heat kill it. Maybe. But you, you probably don't want to risk but it. You really should That's not risk it. That's how you end up with beers infected with Brett that you didn't intend. Do you know how much it takes for one Brett barrel to infect like your entire stock? Nothing. One fruit fly. Yeah. It literally takes one fruit fly flying from the oak barrel with the bread to the rest of your stock. Yeah. And it's all infected with bread. Yeah. So. Sorry. But anyway, <laughs> it's, uh, it's not like a really aggressive bread flavor profile though. I get a lot more of the fruit. It's really dry. Kind it of. It is dry. It is definitely like yeasty, but not like bread yeasty. It doesn't have that funk. It is funky. Not not like the aggressive Brett funk that I'm used to. More like... Like Nightmare on Brett? Yeah. yeah That's not, very aggressive. Yeah. Not like that at all. I do get like blue cheese smell and taste from this. Do you get it? I get more like sourdough. Like sourdough bread. Huh. I should add that like Britannomyces is present in a lot of things. Um... But people get very upset when it's present in a winery. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Like they will destroy mm -hmm. because it is, again, such a nightmare. Uh, but yeah, yeah, so Anchorage Brewing Company in Alaska. And this label art is like these skulls with like glowing streams coming out of their eyes and stuff. Um, it's, the aesthetic is very much Old Kingdom, and it's called Incantation. Which I think is pretty suited here. There's a wolf on there. The main part is a wolf. Yeah. And a I don't know if I'd call it the main part. Yeah. And, and yeah, the wolf also has like the glowing beams coming out of its the, eyes. And we get the stars, which are very much present in this, yeah. in a couple of scenes. Yeah, no. Uh, and it's a great beer. It's very tasty. I'm glad we opened it, finally. I've been sitting on this one for a while, waiting for a book that I could use incantation for. Yeah, you know who I think of for that? Chlor of the Mask. In uh, oh, chapter one. Yeah, in the prologue. Where she spits like free magic from her mouth and yeah. creates those creatures that even Hedge is like, oh shit. Honestly, I thought of Sam on the hill when he like. Said the three words and, and shot 
shoots the charter marks out as like blades. Yeah. Yeah. To cut through. Yeah, I I also thought of that. Yeah, really cool. But the second beer we have, this is another one we've been sitting on for a long time. How um, this one's twenty May twenty nineteen. Oh my. Five twenty-four nineteen. This is a barrel-aged Imperial Stout with vanilla from Calusa Brewing Company in Sarasota, Florida. Uh, does it say what kind of barrels? It does not. A raven black and seductive. This massive Russian Imperial Stout compels you. I like that. Um, yeah, just bourbon barrels. Uh, doesn't say which which kind of bourbon barrels. Well, that could mean that they had multiple sources and they couldn't say. Yeah, like likely. Single yeah, source. It's a blend. Yeah. But uh, this is another beast, though. 12.5%. I gotta say, the vanilla held up a lot better than I expected for a five-year-old beer. It really did. Like, there's... It, it almost makes me wonder what this was like fresh. Was it just like a vanilla bomb? I've... Yeah, I have no idea. I... Mm like it though yeah um and i'm actually excited about this one because i've technically brought this beer on the show before you have uh but it was the non-adjuncted no vanilla just straight bourbon barrel russian imperial stout version i i can't remember if i brought it on for shadows linger or maybe dreams of steel it was one of the Black Company books. Oh. Uh, but this one also fits for that prologue scene. Oh, in, yeah. In Lyriel. This is Sworn to the Dark. Yeah. Well, Kalor just swore herself to the dark. She... What, she and Hedge is sworn to the dark. Hedge is sworn to the dark. And... I found it interesting. Oh, and so is that servant who, who uh-huh. like their entire family has been. Yep. And guess who was almost sworn to the dark? Sam. He was close. He was very, very close. Nick is sworn to the dark. Oh, well, um, <laughs> maybe possibly. Did you notice that uh, Clore of the Mask, like, as she says that she will serve, like, her throat tightens up and she's... Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So we had a couple of really fun beers today. Uh, I, these I've are been delicious. sitting on both of these for a long time. I'm really glad that we finally got to drink them. I didn't know you had a sour left in the house. Oh, we have a few in that in that uh, cooler, but they're all like names that I've been saving for episodes. So well, dang! I I've been craving this. I would have drank it already had I known it it was there. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I didn't tell you. <laughs> Hence, why our spreadsheet is out of date. We used to have a massive spreadsheet of all the beer and all the yeah wine cooler fridges yeah every single can and bottle of beer in our in our home was in a spreadsheet at one point in time this is what happens when covid shuts the world down and you're quarantined at home for 
We make spreadsheets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that brings us to the end of the episode. This has been episode 115 of the Inking Out Loud podcast. Next up, we're going to be going straight on into the second half of Lyriel and finishing the book out. I'm so excited. And honestly, I don't always remember the order of events properly. And that's super exciting because I don't remember exactly how we get to. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as always, if you want to support the show, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash inking out loud. Really appreciate all of the help we get there. Uh, it's It's been going on five years now and we wouldn't be able to do it without our patrons. So thank you. And if you're not a supporter, please consider uh, pitching in. As always, I have been your host, Drew McCaffrey, and with me is Lauren McCaffrey. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.